You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. Does anybody actually go to packernet.com? I mean, I know you, I see the numbers, but they've always had those numbers. Is any podcast person like, I'm going to go check that out? I'm just curious. I forget, I'm I'm just wondering because I forget that I even say it. It's just so automatic, and I'm like, oh, yeah. I forget that I tell people to go there. I wonder if they listen. <laughs> Anyways, um, turning our attention to the Giants. However, got some stuff we got to do, man. We got some stuff to talk about. Some things are going on in the world. Get rid of some of these tabs I don't need. And I'll tell you what. You know, every time, first of all, Thursdays and, and random days, early Sundays when there's a London game or whatever, I always forget. I always forget Thursday's a thing, and then I just go on Twitter, and I look, and everyone's like, oh, all this stuff's going on. Every time I forget and don't watch, something crazy happens, right? Um, The Tua thing, obviously, not that it's a good thing. I didn't say it was good, um, but there's always something that it's like everybody's seeing, and I'm like, I can't believe I missed that. I didn't didn't even know that was a thing. Same with Tua's initial hit. I didn't even know he got hurt the first time. Everyone's like, oh, I knew that this was going to happen. It's like, I didn't even, I forgot Tua was a quarterback, all right? Just, I don't know. Then this week, apparently, I missed the worst football game in NFL history, which makes me sad. So now I, now I have to think, am I going to wait for the ability, for this game to come out on NFL Plus or whatever, and actually go back and watch it? I don't think so, but I feel like I need to because it sounds historic, although I doubt it was as bad as people make it out to be. I know it was horrible. But it's also, you know, people say stuff because it's the thing that's happening right now, you know? There's probably two or three worst games in NFL history every year, so I'd hate to be disappointed. Although I am just, I am curious because of the whole Russell Wilson thing. I Have we, this is the other thing that always happens. We like to pretend like it, it's something that we kind of saw coming or try to rationalize it like it makes sense. But I don't know if anybody's really reacting strongly enough to the Russell Wilson thing. And again, I haven't watched Broncos games, so I don't know exactly what's going on. At first, it was like Nathaniel Hackett is trash, Nathaniel Hackett is trash, blah, blah, blah. Now, all of a sudden, it's like a Russell Wilson situation. And I'll tell you what, I I don't have any real ill will toward Russell Wilson. He's a weird dude. 
Um, he makes me uncomfortable with how dorky he is. I, I mentioned before, not too long ago, he's kind of like that. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen a situation like this in school or whatever, where there's maybe some not super nice kids in that school, and there are some really not super great, super popular kids, you know, and they get together and maybe some of the quote-unquote not-so-nice, somewhat popular kids convince Mr. Nerdy Nerdington that he's actually like one of the crew and he's actually kind of cool and you should really lean into your your weirdness and your quirkiness and whatnot. It sounds so oddly specific. I know everyone right now listening is like, it was you. I know it was. On one side or the other, you were either the jerk or the dork. I don't know, but it wasn't. I'm just saying, you know, they, they make them feel like they're really, really cool so that they continue acting like an idiot and then then they just kind of secretly make fun of them. The point is, that kid has no idea that he's kind of a freak. And he thinks that what he does is endearing and people actually admire it. I, 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 don't, I honestly don't know if I've ever seen someone in such a state of delusion before with Russell. I mean, he does these things and you look at him and everybody's making fun of him and you just think, he just has this look on his face with this little smirk like, man, people love me. This is going to be epic. Like when he's standing in the middle of the field like with his arms out and everything. And I know it's, you know, well, no, he's just doing his own thing. Come on, man. Look, you could look at his face. He's got this smirk on his face. Like, he knows it's all camera. He's, he's already picturing himself on ESPN just getting hyped up for the game. He has this sort of movie character picture of himself. You know, even, even that video he did where he was, like, walking out to his car, and he's, like, strutting out in his suit and his sunglasses, and it's like, nobody likes you. I mean, it's not, again, it's not like I hate you, but... This, this thing you're doing is stupid. Stop doing it. And it's, it's one thing when you're really good at football. People will somewhat tolerate him and be like, he's quirky, but he's really good and stuff, so whatever. Now he got like massively paid again. He's even more uber rich, and he's obviously married to an uber rich person. So they're just like rich on top of rich. They see themselves as like this power couple. And I, and I really think that that's where I'm kind of confused with, with Russell. Is it, it, does he think people love him or does he know nobody does, but he just thinks he's better than everyone, so it doesn't really matter. You know, the, what I do is what, the, what, what an elite person needs to do. You don't do it, and you think it's weird because you're you. You make 50 grand a year and are stupid and poor and slow and fat, and I'm fit and fast and a great football player and rich and probably a genius or something. I don't know. I, I don't know which one of those two things it is. He doesn't know. He's in such a state of delusion. He has no idea that everybody thinks he's a dork. Or he knows people think he's stupid, but he doesn't care because in his mind, like he's just on another level. Could be both, I guess. The, the main reason I'm bringing it up, though, is because now that he's no longer a good football player, he is now quickly becoming like public enemy number one. Um, and that maybe isn't necessarily fair, but as a Packer fan who's really tired of our quarterback being in the spotlight because everybody hates him, whether that be fair or unfair, I think Aaron Rodgers got some fair criticism, some completely unfair criticism. Just like Russ is probably going to start getting some unfair criticism. You know, I mean, again, he's eccentric and he's kind of a dork, but, um, you know, I don't know if you have to hate him over that. But I'm going to play this clip here. Maybe you've heard it, maybe you haven't. And as soon as I heard it, I thought, <laughs> I, all I could picture was like Packer fans 
And Aaron Rodgers kind of just like slowly backing into the crowd as they turn from Rodgers to Russell Wilson with with their pitchforks and anger and just being like, shh, just walk away. Just back away. Maybe they won't notice. Here is uh, Kyle Brandt giving his full thoughts on Russell this Wilson. This is really fast. The last play is meaningful, not in just that it was KJ Hamler or not that he missed. It's the reaction afterwards from Hamler. It's spiking the helmets. It's that... I don't know. I don't know when Russell Wilson turned into Mitch Trubisky, but uh, I wish he would turn into Geno Smith so they could win a game. <laughs> it's a take. Okay, right. because Geno makes that play ten times out of ten, and then afterwards, you know, they got a fourth and one. They want to go for it. I mean, look at that. That is a teammate that is on national television that is at home. Hamler's losing it's just it. Just perfect. They they pass when maybe they should have run. I think Russell Wilson is one of the least authentic personalities we have in this league. I think Russell Wilson is a poser. And that doesn't mean he's a bad person. I actually think he's a good person. I think he tries to be something that he's not. And when you make the $245 million... I'm going to pause it there. When he first said that, I was like, that's really harsh. But that's exactly what it feels like. He's putting on... He's Maybe a better example than than the previous high school example that I gave is, is sort of like that really uncool kid that became like the rich person who's still a dork at heart but wants to like wear that swag around. And it's like, that's not you, dude. Like, you're not that guy. You're not that like cool. Like I got the bling and I got the, the phantom I'm driving around in and all this stuff. And I just got that swagger. You don't, you're a dork. So, I mean, be that, but stop trying to be this. Like, I don't know. It's just, it's so fake. It is fake. And I don't like it. I shouldn't care, but it's like, just, especially now that he sucks, it's like, stop. Just go practice football, be good at football, and then go be rich by yourself. Nobody wants to watch you pretend to be this weird thing. Why do you need my attention? Go away. I don't care. It's not interesting. You either got to be a really great guy with the locker room who loves you, or you got to be an amazing player. Brady, who makes half of what Russell's making, is both. Rodgers, MVP, Patrick Mahomes, both. Allen, people love him. He's amazing. Kyler, we'll find out. Russell Wilson, first of all, the NFL, the Broncos fan base has no history with him. They have no allegiance to him. This is not a Seahawks thing that they drafted him, they grew up with him, he's their guy. None of that. You know, I, got, I work the, the NFL honors. I work the red carpet. Kelsey comes by. Rodgers comes by. Russell Wilson shows up with his sunglasses and his wife, and they, I think they think they're, they're Jay-Z and Beyonce, and they will literally put their hand up and say, no, we're not talking. Why? It, it, because you think you're that cool, and you're that famous, and you're that amazing, and everything is so perfect. That does not work in a locker room unless you are really good or really, really good guy. It just doesn't work. $245 million, that can come unraveled fast. Mm-hmm. And especially when you're missing throws like that and you're putting up nine points in a nationally televised game. Um, Look out. This could come off the rails. It could. It might already be off the rails. Um, I don't know. I mean, Kyle Brandt is is eccentric. He's very over the top, and he said some stuff that I think is kind of stupid. But, uh, you know, this is this is kind of on the nose, in my opinion. This, I, I, I Again, he seems like a good dude, and I, I hate to just dump on the guy. But, but two points on it. Number, well, three. Number one, it's time to slide into the crowd. You know, Rogers, Rogers, come here. But move back. Nobody's watching. Come on. Come over here. Number two, the inauthentic garbage is really just kind of running thin. And I, and I think now that he's playing like this, everyone's like, all right, we're done. We're, I'm all the way off this, especially since he went so over the top this year. He's always been a little weird. But again, that car video, the whole let's ride. Like he's, he's like 
practicing his his high fives to his teammates as he runs out of the tunnel by himself. He's doing the whole standing in the middle of the field with his arms out, spinning in a circle, with his head toward the heavens, with this goofy smirk on his face as if to say, everybody thinks this is so awesome. I'm so cool right now. But then the final point is, I don't remember ever seeing anything like this. I mean, there are people, no question, who said Russell's not that good, or the Broncos really aren't that good, and he won't help all that much. And I'm, I'm kind of kind of in that camp. I've never understood the hype for the Broncos, especially like they've got these elite receivers. If they just had a quarterback, it'd be great. It's like, do they? We've never seen them do anything. I don't know why there's just this assumption. I mean, there, there was at one point that I said that, but that was a long time ago. That was a different group of guys. And I was like, you know, if we just plug these, but then they went out and got Jerry Judy and got these guys. And it's like, well, now they have new guys we don't know if these guys are any good. Plus, the defense is entirely different. That was Von Miller. That was that was all these different guys and everything. So now it's like, this is kind of unproven across the board. But my, my bigger thing is, as much as you might have said Russell's declining, okay, fine. I know Seahawks fans were big on that. I think JJ's been saying that. There's a lot of people that have seen the decline and, and said he's not going to play. Like this, though? I can't remember somebody playing at a level that he was playing falling to this degree especially such a high profile file player i mean i I guess i I guess we've seen it several times but from a quarterback to just go to zero i mean let let me just give you kind of an example here um russell wilson in 2020 had a 90.5 overall grade 2021 that dropped to a 74 so there was a decline no question he went from 4300 yards to 3100 yards 42 touchdowns down to 25 touchdowns he did miss a little bit of time, but not that much. And he, he also had some really bad games mixed in. Against the Packers, 33.9 overall grade. Against LA, 33.6 overall grade. So there are a couple little cracks in there like, what the heck is that? His 74 overall grade last year, so far this year, is a 59.7. He's had one good game that was against the Raiders, 80.3. That's it. Otherwise, against Seattle, 54 overall grade. Against Houston, 62. Against San Francisco, 64. This past game against Indy, 40.9 overall grade. One big-time throw, four, four turnover-worthy plays. Only two of them were picks. I didn't watch the game, but if you saw those two, maybe, maybe you're surprised it's only four. I don't know. I didn't watch it, but he threw two picks. He should have thrown four. Russell Wilson has been a top three quarterback almost every year of his career that he's played. I know last year probably wasn't exactly the case, but he, he just has been. Top three, top five for sure. Just a lock every year. Right now he ranks 26th out of 32. Marcus Mariota, Mac Jones, who's only played three games, Joe Flacco, Matt Ryan, Justin Fields, and Baker Mayfield are the only quarterbacks that are, that are graded lower. You know what else I find funny? There are a lot of people making fun of the Broncos right now that have no business making fun of the Broncos. I have a feeling there are a lot of people in the media and a heck ton of fans that, um, let's just put it this way, they probably shouldn't be so mouthy about the whole Denver Broncos situation because they have built, even if it's not specifically the Broncos, they have built this team exactly how everybody says a team should be built. All the talk about the Packers and their offense and all the struggling. Why are they struggling? Well, they don't have any weapons. That's weird. Because the Broncos do. They have Jerry Judy, who is a first-round pick, was he not? This is the thing I've never understood. Jerry Judy is the reason why all you got to do is get a quarterback, and this is going to be the most elite thing in the world. The guy, his best year was 856 yards and three touchdowns. This is his best year ever. But 65, 68, 62.8 overall grade are his three, three years of grades. Last year, 467 yards. So far this year, 236 and two touchdowns. So he's on, pa- on pace to actually be better than he ever has been, which isn't saying much. But that's just one. 
They also have a first-round running back. They have two second-round wide receivers and a second-round running back on top of Albert Okwegbanam, who was considered one of the best receiving tight ends at the time. And, oh, man, he's going to be the greatest. Point is, they have all the weapons you can ask for. They already have a good defense. The defense is solid. It's proving to be anyways. I I guess we'll find out because there's a lot of things that I think seem really good right now in the NFL that we're going to find out are not very good just because everything's weird right now, especially defenses. There's a lot of defenses getting a lot of credit that I don't know if that's going to be sustainable. Packers maybe are one of them. I don't know. I'm just saying right now the NFL offenses are... Tom Brady was right. They suck right now. Trash offenses. But they get all this stuff, and then what do they do? They go out and get a, a... Shanahan, Matt LaFleur disciple to bring that modern NFL offense over here. And then the piece de resistance, they go ahead and get Russell Wilson and they bring him in. And this thing is complete. We have the defense. We have the weapons. We have the quarterback. We have everything you could ever ask for. Anything, everything that fans and the media and everybody has ever said that you always need to win football games. It's the most important thing. You got to have it. And they suck. There are Packer fans who were throwing a fit when Devontae Adams was on this team because the Packers didn't go out and add another guy at, like, pick 30. Jerry Judy was pick 15, and they suck. Anyways, um, there's one other thing I wanted to touch on before we get into the whole Giants thing. By the way, man, I'm, I'm so happy for the Packers and, and all the fans that get to go to London. I didn't really think it was that big of a deal at first, like when it happened, like, oh, it'd be kind of cool to be able to go go to London, experience something or whatever. I don't know what it is, man. There's something that feels kind of, it just feels different. It feels kind of magical, I guess. I don't, it's, it's weird. I don't usually, I don't usually think or feel that way, but there's just something about it. I don't know. Seeing how happy Rogers is and just seeing how, how nice it is over there. How, you know, I was, I was looking at pictures of the hotel they're staying at. It's absolutely beautiful. It's like a, it's kind of far away from the stadium. I was surprised. I thought they'd want to be kind of close. It's, it's uh, like 50 minutes, 45, 50 minutes away. You think that would kind of suck, but uh, whatever. Uh, looking at pictures of the stadium and, um, you know, again, for, for fans to be able to be there and interact with, with people from, from London and just seeing how they are reacting. And it's funny how you, you have this, this combination of diehard fans mixed with people who have no idea what the heck is going on. They don't know anything about the NFL. There was a thing floating around Twitter of, Somebody from London saying, what is wrong with this person? There's somebody walking around with a wedge of cheese on their head. Like legitimately no idea. And there were some people, obviously a lot of Packer fans got a hold of it. And I retweeted it and everybody else. But there were other people from London in there like he should be committed. And like, I don't know what's going on. This guy's obviously insane. There was another picture of uh, Rachel Bonetta and Kyle Brandt that were, um, I really like Rachel Bonetta, by the way. I don't usually like media personalities. I don't know what it is about her. Per- she she just kind of, it's almost like she doesn't try to pretend to be something she's not. She's the anti-Russell Wilson, I guess. I don't know. Anyways, Rachel Benetta and Kyle Brandt were out, and they had apparently, because you can't just find it, probably more of an American thing. Not that you can find it easily in America either, but anyways, they went out and bought some different items to try to create a beer bong, and then <laughs> we're like doing one out in the middle of the yard somewhere, and you just see like these nice, polite British families in their you know 1960s looking overcoats walking down like you know like stereotypes like you would think like that's just what the stereo that's not how it actually is in london and then you look at pictures like oh all right i guess it is kind of that way but just staring off like what the heck is that and i'm just watching going man freaking americans (laughs) but no it's uh i don't know It, it looks it looks very cool and i'm sad i didn't get to experience it didn't care as much before but uh 
I'm caring now, but I am I'm very happy for everybody, for all the people that live there that get to see the Packers, for the Packers for getting to go there, and and for all the uh, the American fans and and other fans that get to fly out to London. I think that's going to be a really fun experience. Anyways, um, I mentioned yesterday. There's this weird thing happening, and I don't exactly know what it is. It's like this weird delusion. It, it almost feels like we're in the off season because they're just making up random things about the Packers that are not even true, and I don't know exactly how to explain it. Remember somebody had made a comment yesterday about Rodgers throwing his players under the bus? I'm like, that never happened. I found somebody elaborating on that, and of course, it's our friends, um, Sims and uh, what's his name, Florio. But they elaborated on it. They played a clip that we, I played for you that is not negative in any way whatsoever. And, and anyways, let's just play it because these people are out of their freaking minds. Remember, this is supposed to be something negative. Here's Aaron Rodgers talking about the possibility of moving on for one very specific reason as it relates to the quality of the players to whom he is throwing the football. Have a listen to Rodgers from his midweek press conference. There's going to be a lot of benefits to be reaped from, from those guys. So I'm sure long after I'm gone, those guys are going to have an opportunity to, to be here and play. And First of all, let's just notice right off the bat, they're playing the full clip, which is nice. They're not massively editing it to make their own point. I think it's because they actually think that they're right about it, so they don't feel the need to lie. This entire thing, for the record, is starting about how good these guys are and how great they're going to be for a long time. I just want to point that out. Playing the second contracts... But it's about development, really, for them. It's about their mental approach, especially, like I said yesterday, year one to two can be a big And we're talking about Watson and Dobbs, if you weren't aware of that. Two to three can be an even bigger jump. So just understanding what it means to be a pro and figure that out. And and hopefully, I think every young player should lean on an older guy and get some advice. I think as older guys, we love to to share the mistakes that we made with with the young guys so they don't repeat those things. And... Things that work for us as a young player, things that didn't work, things we'd like to see them do. I think it's really important passed on that knowledge. But look, my decision when it comes down to it will be uh, obviously the physical part, the mental part, seeing where the team is at. Look at the defense. A lot of guys are signed for multiple years now. That seems to be intact for a while. We've got a good core in the offensive line, some young guys. Uh, obviously, two great backs who are still under contract. There's some moving pieces, but, you know, that'll factor in for sure. But seeing the development of those guys, uh, you know, can't help but be a part of the decision. Okay. Was there anything wrong with that at all? First of all, again, Rodgers has been in a phenomenally good mood. He just heaped praise on Dobbs and Watson, talked about their growth and how, how, you know, there are certain things that they can do to continue to grow, but we expect great things from them. And then goes on to say, you know, the, the defense matters in my decision, the offensive line, the 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 receivers, and all, all these little factors, as well as my own personal health and all these things are gonna factor into my decision. That that was that was it. There's a lot there. There is a lot. Was there? And in 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 a weird sort of way, he's putting it on them. He's I, putting it on Romeo Dobbs and Christian Watson. Uh, you guys gotta get your act together. You gotta What? What? Florio, what are you talking about? The, the only thing I can think, because this is insane, is the fact that Rodgers isn't under as much heat anymore. He's not that grumpy guy anymore. He's not throwing anybody under the bus. He's not creating controversy. He's becoming a normal human being, at least in, in terms of, like, he's not, there's no controversy anymore. There's nothing going on. He's just a normal dude that's just doing normal dude stuff. 
And I think certain people, especially like Florio, who absolutely hate, hate Aaron Rodgers, um, they, they can't help but, but try to find ways to do this stuff because this doesn't make any sense. They played the whole clip. They just sat there and listened to it. And you're going to tell me that your takeaway is that he's putting it on the young receivers. That if you guys, quote-unquote, don't get your act together, he never said they didn't have their act together. He said repeatedly that he's very happy with where they're at in their development. He's very excited about them. The only, First of all, the, the question was specifically asked, and he kind of pointed to everything else being a bigger factor and then ended with the fact that, you know, that'll, of course, be a part of it. In other words, if these guys are really just dominant receivers, then uh, it's going to be harder to walk away. Start coming to me and asking me for help. That's implicit in what he said. Yeah. He's got, these kids aren't coming to me and asking me. He didn't say they weren't. In fact, he's talked about how they are. He's talked about Randall Cobb. First of all, he's not even talking about himself necessarily. He's primarily talking about Randall Cobb and Alan Lazard and how how instrumental they are in relaying both the positive in terms of what we need to do and what you're doing, but also in terms of the negative and the mistakes that I've made. The receivers are doing that, and the young rookies are going to them and talking to them. That's happening. Florio's making up the part saying they're not coming to me and I'm angry. He never said they're not. He just said that's an important part of growth and, and, and wanting to learn from these guys. He never said they're not doing it. What they can do. What are you doing to get yourself to your maximum level of achievement as quickly as possible? And if you don't do enough, I'm not going to be here. Yeah. So if you. No. No. I mean, it, listen. There, there is. He's saying that the quality of the team matters in terms of his decision. So that 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 falls on everybody. Yeah, yeah, it falls on the rookies, but it also equally falls on Lazard. It falls on Cobb if he's even going to be here. It falls on Tunyon. It falls on Bakhtiari, Elton Jenkins. It probably falls more on them because if they can't get their act together and he doesn't have tackles, that's a pretty big determining factor. How about Josh Myers? You know, the, the comment about Josh Myers, he's growing every day. When asked about Runyon, he's the most consistent guy. Josh, well, he's growing every day. Royce, he's, he's also growing. How about the defense as a whole? They're doing okay, but if, if they... The, the point is, the quality of the team matters, and, and they are a part of the team. They're not the main driving factor. If you two guys don't get your act together, I'm leaving. This is stupidity. This is not what was said. And th- this must be what the clip yesterday was talking about. I could not figure out what they were talking about, throwing his teammates, his rookie receivers under the bus. What, what in the world are you talking about? This must be it. Not me here. You better get your act together. Nope. And you better get yourself to the point where I'm confident that you're developing. It's a you thing, not a team thing. No. It's a you. He literally, literally listed every part of the team. The first thing he meant. In fact, he didn't even talk about the rookies until the end when he was like, yeah, and that also factors in. Because again, that was specifically the question. So he went out of his way to talk about it's a team thing on top of it's a me thing. His own health and, and mental health, physical health. It's also the first thing he mentioned was what? Defense. Defense is important. And how young a lot of these guys are and the fact that they're signed for a very long time. So they're going to be going for a long time. It's not like if I come back next year, everything falls off. No, these guys are locked up. You literally just listen to it, you moron. You thing. And if I'm gone, you're going to be run- one of the reasons why I'm not here. Well, that, I mean, that pressure is not going to go away. I mean, that, that's why he is who he is. And, you know, he mother F's the center and snap the F and ball and all that. I mean, he's he's hold drives a hard bargain there. 
You know, he is the captain of that ship in Green Bay. He is. What does that have anything to do with what you're talking about? Hey, whether you like it or not. But but the other thing I think that's positive about it is, you know, to me, the start of the conversation there, and it and it, it speaks differently than it than it reads a little bit, it's just that he's it sounds like he's seeing hope. He's going, you know, hey, the years to come, these guys got talent and all that. I, I think maybe he's coming around a little bit. Right. That's right. That's right. He, the first thing he talked about was how good that they are. And then he went on to talk about the rest of the team. And then he came back to say that it factors in both positively and negatively. How do you even know that it even means it negatively? Maybe what he means is, I'm, I'm leaning toward not coming back, but if they're really, really good, I can't help but come back. Not saying if you don't get it together, I'm leaving. The, the fact that Rodgers has been so overly positive lately, like extremely positive toward everybody. Josh Myers that he's, he's talking about, screaming about, he said verbatim, I love Josh. He said he loves the guy. He is, he's done nothing but he pra- praises all over Josh Myers and how great he is. Elton Jenkins, who's been getting beat up, he has borderline had tears in his eyes describing how happy he was that he battled back and came back to play. He's heaped praises all over Lazard and Randall Cobb and David Bakhtiari. He's talked about how great Runyon has been. Again, Josh Myers, Dylan and, 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 uh, and Jones, the way he talks about Dylan and Jones, especially Dylan, who even a lot of fans, myself included, are starting to get a little skeptical. But man, he is all over those guys in terms of how great they are. And again, on top of that, he clearly is talking talking positively about the defense. He's been extremely positive, extremely happy, and including in that clip, has never said anything negative. The, the most negative he's been about the rookies is saying we have to be patient, and at some point that patience will wear thin, but for now we need to be patient because they're young, and they're learning, and they're growing. That's the most negative he's been all year. What is this? This is just weird. This is such a reach. I will say I'm reading the comments because I couldn't help it. I never comment on YouTube things. I had to on this one. The comments are, yeah, it, it's, it's pretty hilarious. Aaron says, at this point, I don't even know why sports media people even play the clip when they just completely ignore what the athlete says and make up their own version of events. Rogers was literally singing their praises and their development and st- steps they've taken, et cetera, et cetera. Tony says, did Florio just ignore the tone and meaning behind what Rogers was saying? It was literally praise and more of a hopeful tone of, for the future. Greg says, Mike hears what he wants to hear from Rogers. That talk sounded very positive to me. Jesse says, at this point, I can't even sit and watch these dudes without thinking, what are they talking about? Nicholas says, Florio's interpretation of what Aaron Rodgers is, of what Aaron Rodgers says is always so detached from reality, it's almost concerning. I want to see Professor Cakes here in the comments section. He's always hitting up my stuff, too. What's up, Professor Cakes? I don't know. I, I, again, it's just weird. It's like we're in this weird off-season mode where it's like, let's just make up stuff. Football's happening. You don't have to make stuff up. And again, if you're going to, don't play the clip. There are a large contingent of people that hate Rodgers, and if you just say what you want to say without providing context, they'll believe you. But if you play the clip, nobody's going to believe you because they're listening to it. Idiot. But no, there's no bias. That's not a, th- <laughs> That's not a thing. He's a, he's a journalist. Come on. He's just reporting the facts. Straight facts, brother. F-A-X facts. By the way, um, getting off that topic because point landed there was a clip asking um packers players how how well they understand london or british slang if you want to maintain a high opinion of our team don't watch the clip (laughs) it's so bad they don't know anything 
Christian Watson knows everything. I don't know if he's been to London or if he just knows, but he he just rattled him off like it was nothing. He wasn't even being asked. He was just standing next to a dude giving him the answers. Um, the, I think the biggest one, though, Aaron Rodgers has talked pretty glowingly about Sammy Watkins. Uh, I don't think he's necessarily said intelligence, but deep thinker, he said. So I'll, I'll maybe cut him a little bit of slack. Wow. The video starts off with Sammy Watkins asking what language they speak there. So, so there's that. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I just, I would, I would say just don't watch it would be the best bet. Anyways, we're all caught up on that nonsense. Why don't we take a break right here? Patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy, as well as fertilegroundranch.org. Check those things out. Do a good thing. Take a break. We'll be right back. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. All right, so it looks like Daniel Jones is officially playing in this game. Wasn't really sure, but uh, seems to be the case. He was a full participant on Friday. He is not listed on the injury status. However, they got a lot of people out. Not only are there a lot of people on their injury report to begin with, um, but Leonard Williams is questionable, which usually means he's going to play, but that's a big one. Kadarius Toney is out. Tyrod Taylor is out. Wandale Robinson is out. Azizo Jalari is out. Um, Henry Mondo, I don't know who that is, Cordell Flott, and Kenny Galladay are all out. So Kenny Galladay and Wandale Robinson and Kadarius Tony, that's a big deal. That's their wide receivers. That's pretty brutal. Um, right now, their their top receivers uh, are Sterling Shepard and Richie James, neither of which grayed out very well. Richie James is leading with 155 yards, closely behind is Sterling Shepard, 154 yards and a touchdown. The only other guy over 100 yards receiving this year is Saquon Barkley, uh, who has 107 yards and no touchdowns through the air. As far as grades, Richie James, 65, Sterling Shepard, 58. The next wide receiver is David Sills, 62 yards, no touchdowns, 52.5 overall grade. This is certainly not a powerhouse group of receivers, and that includes tight ends. Daniel Bellinger, is their number one tight end. He does have a decent grade at 72, but 88, uh, nope, 79 yards. I was going to say, how is it 88.9 yards? That's reception percentage. 79 yards and a touchdown for Daniel Bellinger. Only other tight end uh, that's done 
really anything is Tanner Hudson, 40 yards, 61 overall grade. So there's not a lot here. And, and you know, again, it, it makes me a little nervous because it just tells me they're just going to lean really heavily on the run. Now, I have a feeling they might try some of that boot BS they tried against the Bears where they fake the handoff and then boot around the other end. I don't think that's going to be successful, as I said before. Maybe they won't even try it because they've been watching the tape. I don't know. Now, granted, when the Packers started getting beat up last week against New England with the run, they bit on the run real, real hard. That's what caused things to open up in the pass, as well as there was zero pass rush and all that. But like I said, when I'm watching Quay, one of the more annoying things is the lack of aggression. But the reason they do that is because seemingly he's not trying to bite on anything. He's keeping his eyes on the quarterback until he knows he doesn't have it. And the one time they tried to do that, they tried to boot around the other side. Quay was right there in the guy's face. So I don't think that'll be successful um, if they try that, which is going to make them even more one-dimensional because, you know, that was a big part of what they did against the Bears. We'll stick on passing for a minute here. Daniel Jones, um, not doing great. I know people don't usually have a super high opinion of him, but even for Daniel Jones, he's he's struggling. 78 overall grade in 2020, 71 overall grade in 2021, 64 so far this year. He's thrown for 631 yards, three touchdowns, and two interceptions. Two big-time throws, four turnover-worthy plays. In fact, his biggest issue in the past, even with his decent grades, were his fumbling grades. He was constantly fumbling the ball. He hasn't fumbled the ball this year. He has an 88.7 fumbling grade for whatever that's worth. Even with that, now that you know, he fixed his biggest problem, he's significantly worse than before. So there, there are some serious issues here, and I know they've got a new staff in there. So there's some changes, and I'm sure that's causing some problems with trying to figure out how to make this work, especially with the new weapons, no weapons, whatever. But here's the other real reason that it's happening, and, and I mentioned this to you before, that the best offensive lineman probably in all of football is the New York Giants left tackle. And as much as that may cause some concern, they still have one of the worst offensive lines in football because of how bad the other four guys are. Nobody, nobody currently in the NFL is under more pressure, including Justin Fields, than Daniel Jones. Nobody. Especially when you factor in Daniel or Justin Fields' problems are kind of his own. Six pressures last week, three of them were his own fault. Justin Fields is under pressure 49% of the time, Daniel Jones 49.6. The only one that's higher is Teddy Bridgewater, who is not currently playing quarterback. Well, actually, that's not true. He is, because I think he's playing for Tua, and Tua's out, something like that. Doesn't matter. Only played two games. But again, just like everything, Every positive is a negative, at least in terms of every positive that we have against their pass, because it's just going to mean they're not going to want to do it. We have a really good pass rush. They have a terrible offensive line. Guess what? We ain't throwing a ball. All their receivers are out. That's awesome, except for the part where they're not going to throw the ball. Their quarterback is hurt and they don't have a backup. That's great, aside from the part where they're not going to throw the ball. We want them to throw the ball. That's where we thrive. Give our pass rushers a chance. Give our corners and safeties a chance. Give them a chance to cover. That's what we do. We, we rush the passer and we cover. Well, we're not going to ask you to do that. We're, we're going to make you stop the run. Well, dang it. <laughs> now, the, the, the positive is, again, that's the hardest way to win in the NFL. You know, yeah, you, you kind of wear down the defense and you keep Rodgers off the field and all that, but it's still a hard way to make a living. It's the reason why most teams don't do that. It's, it's run to set up the pass. That's it. And we saw that when I went over what Joe Barry said yesterday. They were doing a good job running pretty much the whole game on a per-carry basis, but they punted or, or didn't convert 9 of 11. They were unsuccessful. Most of them were like 3 and outs or 5 or 6 and outs. 
even with, you know, five yards per carry type stuff going on pretty regularly, they, they weren't able to do it. You know, incomplete, five yards incomplete. Or, you know, five-yard run, 14-yard run, sack, incomplete, incomplete punt. The problem with relying on the run is, you know, four or five yards is great. But what happens on first down when you get one yard? Now you need five on your next two. And, and the problem is, even if you get five, are you going to run it? Probably, but it's not exactly third and one or third and two. But let's just start with, with the positive. Their ability to pass against the Green Bay Packers pending a Green Bay Packers implosion, which is not impossible. The Packers are traveling to London. Who knows how that's going to pan out? If they're not completely focused, and I know they're not completely focused on the game, all I'm hearing them talk about is, oh, we're going to experience the culture, and I'm going to these games, I'm doing all this fun stuff. And it's like, well, okay, but please remember, you have a football game to play and try to remain focused on that and stuff, because you guys have kind of a history of having issues when you travel places, having a little bit too much fun. So please, but pending an implosion, there's no reason they should be able to really successfully throw against us unless, unless they're able to run very, very successfully and that sets up play action, which causes us problems. But that kind of brings me to the next thing. You know how you neutralize the run if, if our defense can't stop it, which isn't a certainty, but if they struggle like they did last week and against the Bears. You know what the biggest way to neutralize that is? Offense. We need to score points and lots of them. Offense needs to step up in this game and take some pressure off the defense. Because if it's a seven-point game, they can run as much as they want. You start going up two scores, you start going up three scores, you know, you're up 17 points. Now they're really going to struggle to run because you can control the clock all you want. You can have the clock. Keep it. I don't care. I don't want it anymore. You want to run the clock down? It's your clock. You're the one that needs the clock, not us. So they're not. Running the ball becomes a detriment. We need to get down the field faster, and we need to preserve the clock, and running the clock works against us in that way. So they will need to pass. So I, I really think they need to start fast. They really, really do. And, and I think they know that. And, and Aaron Rodgers was unusually candid when asked, are you planning on like putting on a show and looking for those deep shot, big plays and stuff? He's like, oh, heck yeah. Maybe it doesn't mean anything, because I don't know, but it's a little surprised that he was just wide open. Like, yeah, we're looking to make some big plays and put on a show for the fans. And, and he, here's the thing. This is where I'm, I'm borderline a little bit excited. I think this is a big chance for us to really, really lean on Dobbs and Watson. And it, they may not go that route, but what have I been saying about teams, especially in terms of Christian Watson, how do you just completely erase his impact in the game you play man coverage? The problem with playing man coverage against guys like Dobbs and Watson who have a lot of speed is that it's going to create a lot of problems for you trying to cover them. You have to run with them stride for stride. That, that's, that's, it's almost an ideal situation for a guy like Watson. Even if we're just saying all he is, is is a speed guy that draws away attention, if they're playing zone, it doesn't really have as much of an impact. I mean, the safety still has to make sure you don't get behind him, so he's still going to draw his way up. When we've got a corner and a safety sprinting after the guy, and by the way, the, the jet sweeps are even more effective in man because you're, you're chasing the guys. And the, the reason I'm bringing this up, the Giants play man coverage more than just about anybody else. I would say the only team that probably does it more is Detroit. New England is relatively high, but, but I would say the Giants are even more so. The Packers have to be able to exploit that, and I, and I think they can, and I think they will. And, and Rodgers talked about it. You know, we, we just need to be more successful in converting those, those plays. That pass to Dobbs, that should have been a touchdown. The pass to Christian Watson twice now, once that he dropped and once that was a bad throw. These are things that we just have to connect on. And, and the thing is, when you start hurting them with these things, they're in a lot of trouble. They really are. And there's a lot of other stuff you can do with man. It's not just a foot race or anything, but I'm just saying, I think, I think there is a really golden opportunity 
to find a team that plays a lot of man and expose it and to really show what this team can do to really open it up, especially since their corners are really not playing all that well. Their top two corners, Adoree Jackson and, and Xavier McKinney, excuse me, and, and Dornay Holmes, Xavier's a safety, they're struggling. You know, the Giants have been relatively susceptible to it. Adoree Jackson gave up a 56-yard pass to the, to the Bears. Cordale Flott, who's out, gave up a 29-yard pass to the Panthers. Julian Love and Dornell Holmes both gave up big passes to the Titans, 22 yards and 21 yards. I kind of just hope they lean on it a little bit. We haven't seen this sort of uh, sprint car racer version of the Packers in a while, and, and I like it. I like that they're able to kind of take their time. They're able to mix it up a little bit. You got a little bit of deep shot, a little bit of behind the line of scrimmage type stuff. Mix it in with the intermediate, which has been pretty lacking. But, you know, just, just for a game, let's really put the pedal to the metal here. Because I think it's a necessity. I think the way that they play defense on top of the fact of the way that they play offense, I don't want to get into a game kind of like we've done in the past where it's like, let's see who's the better running team. That's how you lose in football. That's what the Bears are doing right now. You have the ability. You have the quarterback. You have the receivers. Take some shots. And that doesn't have to be a 70-yard touchdown. I'm just talking, you know, 15, 20 yards, 25, 30. Push the ball. By the way, for the Packers, Jair Alexander is good to go. Um, as is David Bakhtiari. Questionable, Devontae Wyatt. He has a quadricep injury. Tariq Carpenter with an abdominal injury, and Adrian Amos, obviously, with his concussion injury. I don't expect him to play, but we shall see how that all plays out. So for me, that's, that's, that's pretty much it. You know, th- there's the nuances of each position group. Obviously, we, we have a pass rush advantage, but you know, we'll see how much that, that really plays into it. I mean, the, the Giants' path to victory is to run the ball successfully. And um, when that calms the pass rush and, and when we're able to sort of, you know, really get them to bite on play action, which they will because, you know, everybody, you even have the defensive coordinator saying it's going to take all 11 guys to tackle Saquon. Well, what are you going to do? Are, are you going to see the handoff and, and rally to the ball and, and try to bring him down? Or are you going to ignore that and be like, no, I got to cover out here? Because when you start biting up, that's when somebody runs behind you. That's when the that's when the tight end leaks out. That's when all these things happen. And the Giants know that. And so if they're able to play good enough defense, or or if the Packers shoot themselves in the foot to keep the game close enough, you continue to run the ball. You wear out the defense. You eat up the clock, so they're not able to run up the score. And you just keep it within seven, and hopefully you can pull ahead. It's a simple strategy for the Giants. The Packers just can't let it happen. You have to do a good job running the ball. You have to capitalize on all passing situations. That is to say, you have to bring pressure. You have to cover. You got to hurt them for getting away from running because they're going to do it eventually, obviously. Be ready for it and do what you do best. And then offensively, you have to score. You just, you can't be making mistakes. You got to drive down the field. You got to take advantage of their defense and you have to score. But, um, you know, a lot of the narrative going into this, I'm assuming I'll I'll be poking around a little bit more to find out what the storylines are is, is, is that the the Giants have a really good defense, and I just got done saying there's a lot of teams who have a quote-unquote good defense that, you know, we'll see. The Giants have not lo- allowed more than 23 points, which is great, but they haven't played anybody. In the one game they gave up 23 points, they lost because their offense has not scored more than 21 points. It's a really struggling offense. Shockingly, they, they rank 18th. Why? Because nobody can score right now. But uh, they played the Tennessee Titans, the Carolina Panthers, the Dallas Cowboys, and the Chicago Bears. These are not very good football teams. The Dallas Cowboys are the only ones that you could say maybe have some level of confidence, but competence, but they have not scored more than 25 points. They don't have their starting quarterback. They're struggling just like everybody else. So these are not dominant football teams. I mean, they scored 23, which is pretty pretty high for what Dallas has been doing. So this is not necessarily a 
super dominant performance. Now, with that said, the Packers haven't scored a ton of points. So if they do what, you know, keep the Packers to what they've done this year, well, we're averaging just under 19 points a game. So that puts us at about 20-ish, right? Even if they're just kind of average. So that's where I come in and say you have to do better offensively. You just have to. There's, there's, there's no more of this trying to bet on the defense. Hopefully the defense can hold them down kind of thing. None of that. So far, the Giants are 3-0 and in games when, in which they score more than 16 points. Can't do that. They've never gotten more than 21. You need to easily sail above 21. Get as close to 30, if not 30, as you possibly can. Because again, this is not a powerhouse defense. I'm not going to sit here and say they're terrible in every single position. But give me a freaking break. Like we've seen in the past, they've got some pretty legit pass rushers. Kayvon Thibodeau has, has been somewhat of a surprise. Rookie fifth-round pick, the guy nobody's talking about, right? There was there was the first two guys that everybody's talking about. Surprisingly, Aiden Hutchinson is the one. It's like, he's the one guy, and the fact that he didn't go number one is stupid. Well, now he's struggling. The guy that I can't remember who went to Jacksonville, he's actually dominating right now. And then Kayvon Thibodeau, everybody forgot, was even a thing. He went number five overall, and he's actually doing fairly well. But but here's again this is this is an ideal situation. If they have strengths, it's the guys up front. Fine, pass. And yeah, their their run defense is is worse than their pass defense so far. Again, it's it's been four weeks and it's a weird, stupid four weeks. They don't have good corners, you know. And it, it, it's just it's not a good team. It's just not. And I'm I'm not gonna sit here to try to get everybody's hopes up and and say we're gonna dominate. I'm not saying that at all. I'm not predicting anything. I'm saying what the Packers need to do. They need to put this one away. Period. We got the quarterback, we've got the running backs, we've got the wide receivers. The offensive line should be taking another step as they continue to improve. They continue to work. I mean, this is this is what? Is this week two that everybody's been back to full strength? Or is this week three? Bakhtiari was it's his first full game back, I guess we'll say that, this last week. But it's been at least two weeks of him playing kind of a lot. Take that step, take advantage of their weaknesses, and they have many, the DBs in particular. I mean, literally one of their starting linebackers right now is Jalen Smith. You remember that guy? He played with the Packers for a little bit last year. We were all excited about it. Like, man, what if, all this stuff. He's he's their best linebacker. The only other linebacker is Tay Crowder. He is uh, ranked 74th out of 77 linebackers. Horrific run defender. Uh, bad in coverage. Just, just really bad. His grades over three years since coming into the league, 36, 29, 35. No excuse. And, uh, you know, the the... Part that stinks about this is Packer fans are coming into this. We know that they have a bad offensive line. We know they have a a banged up bad quarterback. We know they don't have any wide receivers. We know that they don't have a very good defense. But we also know coming into this, it's probably going to be a really close game, and we just hope we win. You know, and I understand that's football, and that should be our approach most of the time. But I think there should be an expectation from the team and from the fans, because why not, that we should put this one away. You should. That's the expectation. Rookie right tackle Evan Neal is ranked 68th out of 69 tackles. Rashawn Gary should be right over the top of that guy, just absolutely obliterating him every single time he does anything. He has a 39 run blocking grade. Mark Lewinsky, the right right guard, has a 40 pass blocking grade and a 64 run blocking grade. He's not even that great at run blocking. It's the other thing with this team. They're not good run blockers. They have a great running back behind him who's doing all kinds of crazy stuff. But we should be able to throw these guys around. John Feliciano, the center. Had one good year back in 2017, 61 pass blocking grade, 51 run blocking grade. He's kind of bad at it. Left guard Ben Bredesen, 
43 pass blocking grade, 56 run blocking grade. When I tell you this is the worst offensive line, aside from their left tackle, who has a 92 overall grade, 91 run blocking, 85 pass blocking, Andrew Thomas absolutely breaking out finally in year three, I I mean what I say. So there really are no excuses, even with running the ball. I understand Saquon's doing some stuff. I get it. Blow up that offensive line, bring him down. I mean, just, just, just end it. Make a statement right here because you have that opportunity because nobody expects you to do it and you have a, a glaring opportunity by just annihilating this offensive line. I don't care how good of a running back you are. It's hard to run with no offensive line. And for all the love that Saquon's getting, there aren't too many metrics that he's, that, you know, that, that we don't have a guy in the, by, by the name of Aaron Jones that isn't better. Yards per attempt, Aaron Jones is better. Yeah, well, that's because he's got a better off, uh, offensive line. Okay, missed tackles force. By the way, Aaron Jones has uh, 40 less attempts than Saquon, 65 compared to 103. Aaron Jones has two more missed tackles forced than Saquon. On a per-attempt basis, it's not even close. By the way, and, and again, I'll acknowledge Saquon's doing some cool stuff. Let's just look at where he is on this list. He ranks eighth in yards per attempt. Aaron Jones is number two. We're going to have to face DeAndre Swift, who's number one twice. Khalil Herbert in, in Chicago is better. I mean, there's three NFC North guys that are higher. He's tied for ninth with only two touchdowns. By the way, he does have a fumble, so two touchdowns and a fumble. As far as his overall PFF grade, he ranks 20th. His rushing grade, he ranks 24th. He ranks 6th in yards after contact per attempt. Uh, Aaron Jones is 3rd, by the way. 5th in missed tackles forced. Aaron Jones is 4th. And again, remember, Saquon has more attempts than everybody. Everybody. He has... um, He's number one in, in snaps and, and number one in attempts, which when that, and that's part of the problem. When people say who's the best running back in football, a lot of the times it's fantasy football guys saying, well, it's clearly Saquon because he has all these yards. You know, you got Nick Chubb who has almost as many yards and three more touchdowns, but it's a volume thing. I'm sorry, but how good you are as a player should be on a per, per snap basis. He's third and carries over 10 yards. Not per snap, just total. Aaron Jones is second. Again, 103 snaps compared to 65. 84 attempts compared to 48. Khalil Herbert, who's behind him, has 52. Nick Chubb, who's number one, has 81. So nobody has as much as Saquon. I'm not saying he's not a great running back, but he's not like it's not like it's Saquon, huge gap, Nick Chubb, huge gap, like six other guys, and then Aaron's kind of floundering in there somewhere. That ain't it, man. So all I'm trying to do is take away the excuses. I don't want to hear it. He's very, very talented. He's very shifty. He's very strong. Obviously fast, elusive, powerful. Great. Don't care. Push the offensive lineman out of the way. As big and as strong as Saquon is, I have a hunch Kenny's stronger. I have a feeling Rashawn Gary's a little bit more powerful. Light him up. This is a statement game. You're getting mocked for being soft for being weak. Light them up. So that's all I got, man. Packers are a better team. Just just go do what you know you need to do. Prove that you're better than, you know, the Titans, the Panthers, and the Bears, who are the three teams that got the Giants to three and one. Prove that you're at least as good as Dallas without their starting quarterback. Anyways, you guys have yourselves a fantastic day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.